Hi, welcome everyone. Um, we have a few minutes before we start. So if you want in the meantime to check out the paper link that I shared in the chat. And then today, because the slides are kind of large because they are videos in there, which are really interesting. I made a folder. So for people that have maybe slower Wi-Fi or not a good connection, there's a PDF version of the slides. And um, if you want to use that, it will be easier. But you won't um, have, ex like, have access to the videos. If you want to take the time now to try to access the PowerPoint version, uh, then, you know, please do so. So there are two options in there. The, the PDF version should be fine for you know, just with a slower internet connection or so I hope that helps this time. And yeah, feel free if you like uh, to share the room. Um, and uh, thanks for coming everyone. Hi, Shadi, how are you? <laughs> nice to see you again. <laughs> so and just to explain, I don't know, I was doing other things, um, how I made this. Uh, I made also a PDF version for people that maybe have uh, problems accessing a big file. Uh, I know the video is then not available, but, um, you know, at least people can look at the slides. So uh, that's why I made a folder this time. Um, and people can either click on the PowerPoint, which is better because it has the videos, uh, or then if it's really not possible for them to access such a big file, they can, everyone can, can just use the PDF. Thank you. And if you want to speak, Shadi, you're still muted. So, uh, yeah, there you are. Are you hearing me now? Yes, now I can hear you. Okay, so thank you yeah, for still, uh, this. We still have a couple of minutes, if that's okay with you. Hi, Serena. Okay. If we meet sure. Hello. Meet Serena, Shadi. Um, Serena, meet Shadi. Hello, Shadi. Hi. I'm, I'm, I'm sneaking a break from work, so don't tell anyone. <laughs> okay. Now, this is a very interesting topic I couldn't miss, so, but I'll mostly be listening. Yeah. Hi, Joyce. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah, just to explain to you, um, I made a folder of the slides because the PowerPoint version has videos and it's pretty large. So for some people, it may be hard to access a large, um, a large file like this. So I made a PowerPoint version out of it. You won't be able to see the videos, but you can, you know, see the rest of the slides and the, and the papers. That's why, just in case, I made um, two versions that are in this folder in Google Drive.
Okay, I think. Okay, I think. Start. Um, and we can start with introduction and so on, and then and then we go from there. Um, people usually take some time until they they start coming in, but um, we sure. can start with introduction. So welcome everyone to Science Society, and of course a special welcome uh, to you, Shadi, uh, for taking the time uh, to talk with us about your research. Uh, it's really an honor, and um, so that everyone gets to know you a little bit, let me give a short, um, you know, um, introduction. Um, Sh Shadi Tarazzi, he um, got his bachelor degree in biotechnology and genetics engineering at the Jordan University of Science and Technology. And then he did his master's degree in applied biological sciences, also at the Jordan University of Science and Technology, and his PhD in molecular genetics at the Weizmann Institute of Science, where he where is currently. And um, so, yeah, thank you for being here. And I would like to know also for the audience, what brought you to science? Was there something in your life that happened that sparked your interest? Was it something you always found that it's interesting and you wanted to uh, follow that path? If you could share that with us, thank you. Yeah. So thanks everyone and thank you for organizing uh, this kind of nice discussion about this interesting like upcoming like a new kind of research in stem cells and synthetic embryos. Yeah, in general, like since I was a kid, like it's interesting for me to be like curious to ask questions and try to find answer all the time, like especially in the field of genetics and biology in general, and try to to always keep my mind busy with something. So what brought me to science is I don't want to have this kind of ordinary job that you go to work and you come back and you do the same again and again and again. So what brought me to science, this kind of stuff that you have every day, new question, a new challenge that you keep motivating yourself to find answers and keep going forward. This mainly what brought me to, to this kind of research. Yeah, that's so yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's so that interesting. Kind of followed your path of curiosity. I think that's so wonderful um, because I feel like we are very lucky that we get to do what we actually like to do. And um, so then after, you know, starting your studies and, and following this path of curiosity, how how did you end up to do this research that we are discussing here today or was it was it easy to get funding for or how come how came this project about and that you found yourself uh, doing this thank you yeah so it's not easy of course to find like uh, funding usually for this kind of research, especially it's need a lot of investment, like in terms of money, in terms of you are describing in kind of a new 
era of ideas and stuff. So I joined Jakob Hanna Lab to start my PhD and they already have like a breakthrough in publishing nature last year and they describe and I was part of that team that they describe an ex utero culture platform that I use in my research that I will describe to you today. And from there we gain the idea of the the project in general to understand development like this fascinated the process that happening like and it's like since million of years happening the same thing everyone knows about it but still a lot of like question mark around this area a lot of black books is still there like we don't know much there is the uterus that block the the kind of make it a lot of difficult in terms of ethical and technical stuff to understand development so the motivation for this kind of research and uh, we want to develop mammalian embryos in general outside the uterus and try to understand how this fascinating mechanism happen what step of development and try to answer a new question and also try to apply a lot of kind of stuff that will help to advanced regenerative medicine and organ transplantation studies and all of this together like brought me to this kind of project and we apply for with my bi to a lot of grant and we have a good funding to help us explore more and try to apply this platform and amazing technology to answer a lot of other questions yeah I, yeah I, I, with you. I, yeah it's so intriguing that this very very essential part of you know mammalian life is still so little known about them that's really great that you do this work um and uh we are really looking forward to this presentation so <clears throat> again i got cut out for a second um again please um for the presentation, um, there's the link on top to a Google folder. If you have kind of a not so good Wi-Fi connection, there's a PDF version of the slides, but you cannot um, see then the video. Um, but if you have a better connection, you can access the PowerPoint version where you can then see the videos of the presentation. So the stage is yours. Thank you so much and um, yeah, thanks. Thank you again. So today I will describe to you my main project uh, through my PhD. I'm almost toward, uh, let's say, the end. And I will describe to you what we already established as like a nice report will was published last month in Cell, like. And it's like considered one of the nice breakthrough and one of the good paper for this year, as I assume. And it's mainly describing like ex utero development of post gastrulation synthetic embryo. And I will start with just a brief introduction about the developmental phases and how the mouse developmental cycle started from the single cell of the zygote and going through cleavage and to have blastocyst at day E4.5 and then implantation will happen there and 
after plantation, a Boston plantation process, followed by gastrulation and right organogenesis and fetus development and organ development. All of this kind of implant, post implantation happen after the blastocyst will attach to the uterus. And because of this attachment, like, and all of this barrier that the uterus have, that will not allow us to understand the developmental process and having this kind of a black box and a lot of unknown questions still there. So the initial motivation for the project and start now I'm in the second slide so that everyone will follow. And if you have any question, you are welcome to stop me just to discuss more. So scientists, stem cell biologists in the world try to use and build models that will help them to understand this kind of developmental processes and using the idea that the blastocyst contain three main cell types that and give the rays to the three main parts of the embryo. The ES cells and the epiplast will give rays to the embryo proper and the primitive endoderm will give rays to the yolk sac and the trophoectoderm will give rays to the placenta. And Scientists, by mixing one or, or more of these cell types, establish a lot of models that will help to understand this kind of developmental process, like models for pre-implantation like blastoids or models for post-implantation like ETX or trunk-like structure. All these kind of models are trying to be so what we are doing, we are trying to be close as much as to what happened inside the uterus and try to understand and try to be as much as authentic as as we can. And for transferring embryos, like there is no established system that will allow you to understand or culture embryo for post-implantation ex utero, try to make it easier for us to understand. However, we in the lab, last year established the platform and the technology that we patent, we get it out in nature, that we have this kind of mixing between static and rolling culture bottles that allow us to culture natural mouse embryos from pre-gastrulation 5.5 until late organogenesis 11.5. So this novel platform and technology, and we have our own media that called EUCM, which is a mix of rich enriched serum component, rat serum and the human adult serum that allow us to help this kind of culture or around six days outside the uterus like ex utero. So the project starts from this kind of, of field like that we say that, okay, we have the, the platform, we have the technology, we have the rolling culture system and we have the media. And so why not to take and make it the challenge more difficult and try to take from cells and see what is the maximum potential and capacity of this kind of stem cells like culture on a plate and 2D and try to do some modification and try to see how far we can get with this kind of models because so far this kind of model can only reach very early pre-gastrulation resembling like E5.5 of mouse embryonic development and cannot go further. So this is what we, uh, why we start this and just to make it easy and briefly like we I take the set the three types of the main uh, 
lineage that form the blastocyst and we have the cells for epiblast and we use the cells in that culture and in ground state of naive ground state which is like two eye lift and for primitive endoderm we there is different ways as as shown in literature before to derive this kind of primitive endoderm either you can derive them from blastocyst and it's called xen or you can drive them from ES by overexpression of main transcription factor that will lead to fate determination to primitive endoderm, like in this case, GATA4. And for TSCs or trophectoderm, there is also many ways to derive these kind of cells, either from ES cells by overexpression of main transcription factor, which is CDX2, or by knockdown of OCT4. And from the blastocyst, you can derive TSCs or by cutting of trophoectoderm from the post-implantation embryos. So what I start doing is start having all these kind of tools and try to establish all this line and try to test how we can validate them first, as shown in the slides, by doing a lot of immune staining, real times, and all this kind of assay to validate that the cells are working fine and that we have all the system and we have all the tools. And the same happened when we, for the TSCs and the same happened for the primitive endoderm, the validation. So now I am going to slide nine. So after we have the tools, we have the cells. So we start asking the, the main question that we want to to address in this kind of research in which we want to test the ability of the naive cells, only naive cells, the ground state naive in a dish, and try to make them doing all the job to give embryonic and extra embryonic compartment. So far from what we know about chimeric studies and injection to, to blastocyst of ES cells, and we know that ES can contribute to the embryo proper part only, the embryonic part, but not to the extra embryonic part, which mean the placenta and the yolk sac. So the idea want to test initially the plasticity of this kind of naive state, and we want to see if we all, we induce transcription factors and try to mix them all together in different ratios and see if this will help us to get a full embryonic and extra embryonic compartment so then the idea and the motivation to build a complete model that resemble natural embryos with embryonic and all the surrounding extra embryonic tissues that will be as close to the natural embryo and allow us to answer a lot of fundamental questions so we start by doing that and we start doing screens about how we can establish the medium, how much the time that we want to overexpress these transcription factors, in which kind of medium, in which kind of conditions, and all of this technical optimization, and we did a lot of reporter stuff. And now I'm trying, I'm shifting uh, to slide number 16. I'm skipping the part of showing all this kind of ratio optimization, cell optimization, 
timing of using the roller culture static versus dynamic so we have many parameters in general that we want to address some we know from literature and some we assume so first we want to know how much number of cells from each type we want to mix and second we want to know how much time we need to induce the transcription factor because we want the cells to be all of them prime starting from the same start point and go toward the priming along the aggregation process like not start from different points because we want them to be synchronized all of them at the same time and also we want to test when we want to use our static versus shaker or dynamic culture or our platform which is the ex-utero culture system with the rolling culture bottles so as you can see in slide 16 this is what we have for now and we optimized this and it was very painful a lot of experiment a lot of trial and errors and finally like i reached this final protocol that we have for now and it's really exciting to see this kind of structure starting from a ball of cells and aggregate and just grown in this kind of bottle that you will use you will see it by your eyes how it will grow you will see the blood vessels the flow the heartbeat the brain the neural folds and all of this kind of amazing amazingly developed which was a surprise for me and for all of the team in the beginning especially when we first like see this kind of structures so we take this amazing like finding forward and we did a lot of validation and compare to different stages of natural in neutral controls we compare them morphologically we compare them by staining and testing the expression of different markers and we compare them by immune staining by sequencing so all of this kind of validation show remarkable similarities between all the what we call synthetic embryos and the corresponding natural embryos at different stages like from day four up to day eight which is the current limit of our protocol that we are working on to try to push it further and further also so this kind of remarkable similarities uh, was exciting to us and we did a lot of also sectioning and try to understand and doing histological examination for the heart and for the neural tube and showing remarkable similarities between what as embryos at the stages and natural uh, in utero control so we show here for the first time the establish of the synthetic embryo model stem cell based model only from es cells without any use of embryonic material or from blastocyst derived cells only es cells with overexpression of transcription factors in a plate can reach to a full embryo with embryonic and extra embryonic compartment that corresponding to day e8.5 of normal mouse development which is quite nice because early organogenesis you can see a lot of organs you can see heartbeat neural fold brain and yolk sac full of blood and it's really amazing and also in this work we and now i'm talking about slide 22 so we shift back to use the regular trophoblastum cells that establish from blastocyst and try to see if the model that using es cells combined with 
ES with ex overexpression of GATA4 and with cells that derive from placenta, like from blastocyst, like what we call ETSCs, which is from embryonic, and we get similar results, even better in terms of efficiency. We get similar results. We reach with this kind of other model, the same stage of E8.5, and we did the same validation, immune staining, morphology. We did a lot of sequencing, and we find remarkable similarities between the two models that we have with the natural in utero control, which is very exciting. Also, we did more characterization for the extra embryonic compartment. I'm talking now about slide 24. We validate the presence of the blood island, the ectoplacental corn, with immune staining of different markers that determine this kind of stages, like Chronix 1, for example, for the blood island. Also, we did a lot of colony forming assays and characterizing the ability of this kind of extra embryonic compartment to lead to erythroid progenitors and colony forming. And we find the same results between our model and the natural control. Finally, we did single cell analysis and we did full transcriptomal profile, and this is in slide 26. And the results show like remarkable similarities between the cluster presentation and transcription profile between our S embryos and the natural control. And we did this using different samples and we did it from the model with the, only the naive cells with the expression of CDX2. And we did it from the model with the embryonic TSCs and we compared it to natural control. And we extend also the comparison to have natural control that grown from the uterus and the one that we grown them in our system, the previous protocol. And in all of this kind of analysis, even when we go deeper, try to look at some signature, specific signature of some population, like for example, somites or neural tube or notochord, we find remarkable similarities between our synthetic embryos and the natural control. Also the same for the extra embryonic compartment when we, were, when we looked at specific marker of some extra embryonic endoderm or ammonium or extra embryonic ectoderm, we find the same similar expression pattern between our model and the natural control. And you, I know it's hard to see the videos, but you can see it from the paper. Like it's really fascinating seeing this kind of structure growing and see the heartbeat and see the brain and all of this kind of structure. And in summary, all of this will show for the first time that we establish a, a full model that self-assemble of ESCs only from naive, and we grow them ex utero only from naive ESCs. And we show that the naive ESC have the plasticity to give rise to embryonic and extra embryonic compartment. And we show that this model can reach early organogenesis step, which is for the first time. All of this kind of model and platform will allow us to now, once we have this kind of platform, will allow us to study more, do more live imaging, try to do genetic modifications and knockout of some specific gene and trace the phenotype. We can apply a lot of kind of 
drug screen or lineage tracing and try to understand also tissue mechanics and how the interaction between different kinds of tissues. Still, we have some limitations from, with the system and we reported already, like the efficiency is very low and the platform, the original platform that we have, it's reaching later stages of around late organogenesis E11, while now we currently, the end point of our system is like E8.5 and we are working on improving this and try to push it further and further. So this is like in, in brief what, what I report in the, in the paper that was published in Cell, that we established this kind of model that we believe will help a lot in addressing a lot of the question and try to answer more questions and try to give a lot of additional feedback to the field. And for that, I will thank all the team members that help in this work. My PI, Jakob Hanna and Karin Jubran and Alejandro for their help in the, in the lab and in the work. And uh, you are welcome for more questions and discussion about it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so yeah, much. Thank you so for much. Wonderful presentation and for explaining um, your research. Um, it's really interesting um, and it will give us a lot of more insights about how development um, really works at different instances. I wanted to give people first the opportunity to ask questions and then I'll ask later. Serena, did you have a question? Are you able to ask a question? Yeah, she's at work, so she might not be able to. Um, mm -hmm. Joyce, Dr. Shad, Denise, if you okay. want to ask a question, please go ahead. Okay. Um, it's all very interesting. Um, I'm wondering, what do you think is the nearest term application of this um, technology? Thanks, I'm done. Uh, so, I think like what we already did and what my BI already did, he established a company that already licensed uh, the patent and start using it, but from raising a different point of organ transplantation and try to see some aspect of infertility and how they will answer this and try to apply the same platform and technology to to human so and what will be more interesting for me and what we are currently doing we are trying to take further subtype of this kind of stuff for example the blood progenitors and try to see how much we can differentiate them more and if they will be able to like to transplant to adult hematobiotic stem cells and try to rescue this kind of hematobiotic issues and try to hematobiotic disease and there is a lot of kind of lineage tracing that we can do because still there is some minor population that we don't know it it's raised from embryonic part or a trace from extra embryonic part and we have like color system we label all the cells and we can trace easily this kind of cells and try to see with deep sequencing 
which kind of cells contribute to which part of the embryos or the extra embryonic tissues, which is also another nice application. And also try to do knockout studies. So imagine with this, you if this will be with high efficient, we can improve the efficiency. I think it will be a very nice system that you can do instead of doing CRISPR and try to generate a mice will take you one year with this kind of system. You can study all the early mutations and early knockout instead of having knockout mice, you will have this model and you can knock out a gene and study the effect on early development up to a 8.5, let's say, and if we improve it further, so it will be an amazing tool that will save like a lot of mice and reduce time and all of this kind of benefit that you will have it from this kind of a platform million application you can do even imaging and and a lot of things like we are doing some but i think the rest will be for other people to do well that's really exciting, well, that's really exciting. thank you thank you Uh, Dr. Shah, Denise, did you have a question? Yeah, thank you so much for I mean, sharing your fascinating work with us. I was just wondering to ask you about the abnormalities because you mentioned one of the struggles was finding abnormalities and I'm assuming it can be related. I mean, um, because you we have eight days and six days and I'm thinking about it means that is no, lo no longer moved to the eight days. And what was those abnormalities specifically related with the hypopathway inhibitor that you mentioned that you might gonna use? Sorry, but what do you mean by abnormalities? Like you mean the efficiency is low? Like what we get, it's efficient low? Yeah, I mean, it can be this one and it can be because you mentioned as part of your paper that you could, uh, you could not get the same I mean, result as a model that you just predicted for some of the, uh, I mean, some of them. So I, w I was just wondering, what does it mean exactly? I wanted to ask you, uh, specifically, you uh, you just mentioned about the hypopathway inhibitor and which you use from your protocol. And do you have any further information around that? Yeah, so, so let's just be clear. It's, it's two different things. Our initial system, it was taking natural mouse embryo. So we are taking, we dissected from the uterus, we cultured from day 5.5, and we were able to reach day 11. This was not from cells, it was like from nature, from the uterus. The one from the cells that we take from cells, we only reach, in the same platform, we only reach 8.5. But it's completely two different questions because when we take from the uterus at day 5.5, it's not like starting from cells from the scratch. So still some other like parameter need, need to be changed because when you are talking about cells in a 2D plate and start from day zero, it's not the same as you talk about an natural in utero embryo that you are taking it from day 5.5. And the, the relation of hypopathway inhibitor it's already known in literature and we confirm it in our results that it's facilitate the conversion to trophoectoderm and it's helped the cells to go when you overexpress CDX2 and it's already reported in the paper. With the hypopathway inhibitor, it will help you to go faster and like 
make the kinetics much more faster to reach the trophic ectoderm fate. But you are right about the reaching only day 8.5 in the same technology that should reach day 11, which means I agree, like we still have some kind of limitation. Maybe we need to give the cells more push because if they die at 8.5, they need some, maybe we need to add some signaling, like some morphogen. Maybe we need to change the media. Maybe we need to adapt. And we are working on all this kind of stuff, but still we really don't know what is what is missing. Maybe change even the type of the culture medium, which is we considering now, like instead of using ground state to I live, try to change the the media. Maybe it will help to push them further than 8.5. But truly really, we still don't know what could be anything and we are working on that. And what about the heterogeneity? Yeah, this for heterogeneity it's already known and what we what we show because like imagine you you are using so what we are using is a micro well plate and in each like small well of six well plate or twenty four well plate it's contain thousand of micro wells and what we are doing we collect all the three different type of cells and we mix them and we put them on this kind of micro wells and we don't have any control on this so what we only rely on is the ability of the cells to self organize so that's why you will have all the kind of potential options like you, like you will have aggregate with one cell type you have aggregate with two cell type you have aggregate with the three cell type and three cell type in the right organization three cell type in the wrong organization this is the main reason for heterogeneity in the in the population that we have, and we're considering some tricks to minimize it, but still there is no any available stem cell model that solve this kind of issue of heterogeneity and the variation, because all of these current established model are only depending on this kind of idea that you depend on the ability of cells to self organize, so you don't have any control over this kind of self-organization thank you thank you thank you um can i just um, really can i just follow up on this question um i think that's really interesting yeah. that the self-organization brings you you know this type of method of relying on self-organization heavily brings you up to this developmental point but not further um, so, you know, there, there, I remember reading, there's some discussion about um, that being basically an uh, uterus kind of gives some, some environment of maybe epigenetic triggers or so that, um, you know, continue the healthy development of an embryo. So what are your like suggestions what what triggers are missing for them to continue or do you think it's just because of the size of you know the cell um the 3d system that kind of in a culture it's harder to to get all the nutrients everywhere and that 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 it's just a pure pure accessibility of nutrients and so on or do you think it's a 
more fine-tuned system that is triggered by some something from the the mother basically yeah it's a very interesting question but you know the logic that we are running this kind of a project like we know that like natural normal embryos can grow fine from 5.5 to 11.5 x utero without the uterus without the mother interaction and they develop normally so this is what encouraging us to think about the cells but again cells and natural embryos from 5.5 are different so maybe we are missing some kind of signaling that trigger this kind of stuff but i think it's coming from the cells not from not from the uterus interaction because again when we take from 5.5 it's a grow fine to 11.5 so there is something in the embryos at day 5.5 that we are missing in our cell system or some kind of signaling that will that not helping them to go further than this not i don't think it's an interaction with the uterus because the normal one grow fine ex utero so i think we are missing uh, more like technical or signal signaling like induction that need to be in the cells that's why we are trying now to further improve the cell culture and try to test different kind of inhibitors or small molecules that control different kind of signaling and see if this will help but yeah it's interesting to to know but still like we don't have really like clear cut or sharp answer to this so why do so why do we had actually your colleague from your institute that was the first author of the paper uh, here um, of the where they um, continued the ex utero until uh, p11 or so uh, he he was here with the artificial uterus but so so why um, do they get harvested at that specific time point? Sorry. Why do they get harvested at this specific time point at five point five? Not why not earlier? Um, is ah. there no survival rate earlier? So implantation happened at four point five when the blastocyst will attach to the uterus, and at that time exactly when the they implant because we are interesting to study post implantation. So we. Our point to take them from post-implanted ones and go further. We are trying to start from blastocyst and get them further from blastocyst and go all the way to to E11.5 and still is running project in the lab. But why 5.5 exactly? Because the dissection it's very small and the dissection and it's very tricky at that stage because of the size. So you cannot take it before, like you can take at E5, but it need to be extremely technical challenge and you need to be extremely fine with your hands to take it out from the uterus. But yeah, mainly because implantation happened at E4.5 and the easiest time point to take it out post-implantation is 5.5 because it, it's like almost started at that point. So do you think, so, um, do you think the that event of implantation triggers something that makes the embryo develop further along? Maybe, you know, you just, you can get by until 8.5 without that implantation trigger, but not any further. You know, the fact that just 
you got to 8.5 doesn't necessarily mean that you know it's not something that was an event from before 5.5 you know it could just be that it takes a while for the embryo to die if something doesn't happen so do you think the mechanism of implantation itself um, is important and could you kind of synthetically um, repeat that process in, in vitro yeah it's uh, it could be like this is the point and but i'm telling you i'm not sure it's if it's really what what is matter in this case because there is a lot of in in vitro implantation assays that mimic what kind of already established protocol from magdalena lab in which they take a blastocyst and try to do in vitro implantation in them and they implant in vitro in a plate and they attach and they implant and even they grow one or two days more with the already protocol that is there so i'm not sure is the implantation itself is the process but it might be something with the with the cells or where is it with with the medium but i don't think that's something with the interaction of implantation because it's already known that you can take a blastocyst and you can implant them outside and in vitro and they implant fine and they even grow one or two days more so i think something maybe with the system that need to be optimized more or something need to be with the cells so i think we need some kind of screen to understand what kind of signaling is there and what kind of signaling is missing and try to see how we can mimic this outside and see if we can solve this issue but yeah you are right there is a lot of possibilities but we cannot be sure at at this moment at least so you probably plan so, to prepare maybe rna sequencing or so from your model to the model that gets used from natural embryos and grows up longer in in vitro uh, are you yeah, planning exactly. to oh okay yeah that's interesting <laughs> looking forward to yeah, we are, we are, yeah exactly we are doing this kind of comparison and let's see if this will give us some new answer yeah it's interesting to to know we are exciting to know about this also yeah just to to again to the importance of the research by having the full development ex utero you can basically study better all the processes and if you change something or if you stress you can you can introduce specific stress factors for example and see if um, one of the stress factors for example leads to a specific developmental disorder so that's the you cannot really do that in an, in a living animal so precisely because there's always some other factors that you cannot control so that's why it's really interesting and really important work so i know dennis he on you're on mic so please feel free to to chime in thank you well i was going to ask about the the timing and uh, what could be improved but we covered that so thank you so much for your presentation and hello everybody thank you Yeah, there are a few questions in the chat. Um, um, one I cannot, I cannot read fully because I don't have that translation right now. 
if you could uh, do you know where the you know where the chat is right Shadi? Yeah, um, yeah if you scroll down dear Shadi, please did you try to test and then i don't know um functionally yeah. of age mm -hmm. so uh, this is the the question of uh, yeah is functional the hematobiotic if they are transplantable or not this is what we are currently doing, yeah. We have some initial very positive results of the initial experiment. It's very promising, but yeah, we are doing this now. Uh, and the other question, I guess this is the equivalent of a minimum viable product in medicine. I don't know what what that means. Maybe embryonic cells have a special memory. Might be, I don't know. I I don't have an idea about it. Yeah, I think this is what I only can see for now. Yeah, yeah, those yeah, are yeah, the questions. Are... Thank you. And um, so you already told a little bit what you're working on now to compare these models and um, and to screen. So in theory, in theory, could you take, for example, um, then any cell, uh, any cell at any developmental stage, like even from adults, and you turn, you could turn them into embryos again and grow them. Like, does it is there a different in the different um, cell types um, that kind of make it less feasible or more feasible? Are you looking into trying this basically out with all kinds of different cell types or is that something that doesn't make any sense to try? Yeah, so for now it's what's working with like you need to have embryonic stem cells and like we are testing now the system with induced pluripotent stem cells like IBS and try to to see because this is what like our big dream to take cells and try to revert them back adult cells with fully differentiated and revert them back to IBSCs and then try to differentiate them in our system and try to use it for direct differentiation towards some organ or try to to understand how this kind of stuff of development happen. So we are currently doing this, like trying to use different type of cells other than the cells that we are using, which is embryonic stem cells, just normal stem cells. Try to use adult cells and IBS cells and try to use different cells with some mutations also and see how we can recapitulate the mutation and see if they can do it or not. So this is what we are doing now. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting have a lot of implications for um you know as you said growing embryos and, and different types of regenerative uh, medicine that would be really interesting and your your technology basically and the the insight you learn would would make that you know more viable to actually grow it to a stage and to a complexity 
that you would need um, because right now to grow a full organ do you think the self-organization would work in a similar way if you would not um, grow an embryo but let's say uh, grow uh, an organ would you use the same principle of self-organization yeah I think this is will be it should work the same because there is already some a lot of model of organoids model and which all already use the same concept of self-organization toward like a brain organoid or intestine organoid so we're trying to use the same strategy but we will have a better system like we have like 3d bio printer that the embryo know how to make organ better than any kind of other system so we want to use this information to direct more toward organ differentiation and help improving this kind of analysis and studies so this is really interesting yeah and already like it's proven that this ability of the stem cells to stem cells to self-organize can lead to a lot of models like resemble organ but we try to to make it more close to real organ and to help really to the organ transplantation studies and hopefully to be available in the coming years Yes, I would be yes, really, I would be really that, that, uh, uh, if you could grow organs, could grow organs that would need them. Because I don't know if people I don't know are, if people are, if you um, many people we we throw a lot of organs away because we cannot find a good match for them. So you have people waiting on a list. And you have people, you have organs, but they don't match, so you just have to throw them away. And I know there are people also working on that to kind of <laughs> diminish their response, yeah. but this would be better because then you don't need to take medication the whole, you know. Exactly. exactly. Now you will avoid the, the matching, you need to find the match, and you will avoid the rejection and the immune rejection, so it will be from your cells and coming back so this is this is the big big project and big dream of the lab in general like take ibs cells revert them back and try to do organ then you will solve all the issue of the immune rejection and the match and everything but do you think by using embryonic stem cells let's say from somebody not from the recipient um, but could you expose it? Would there be a way to have them grow into some, you know, any kind of kidney or whatever, but have a less immune response? Do you think there's a way to expose the stem cells from somebody else to an immune system from the recipient or somehow? diminish the immune response in the recipient if it's grown from embryos. Do you think that would change anything? Uh, I really don't know in this case it will change, but I think it would be it would be like the best if you take from the same person, you take an adult cells and you get it back to to be an induced pluripotent stem cells. It's better than 
to have an embryonic stem cells because you cannot have it easily like for humans so most of the the derivation of the stem cell line is happening that you you take the embryo and you take the cells out of it so it's not possible that it will be alive so after that so it's not easy process to take a human embryonic cells without like without having a viable fetus it's it's you just usually take it from the apportion when we're, we're having uh, some apportion or from the frozen extra ivf in the clinic and you use it for driving the line so it's not something technically available to have embryonic cells from one person and easily and try to put it in another person what is technically easier to have to have an adult skin cells it's just like scratching the skin and try to revert them back and for wide application or big big application you need something that will be technically more easy to have rather than taking a cells and try to make the immune system will also will be a very interesting and amazing if you can do organs and just you need to deal with the immune rejection so it will be you solve one part of the issues but we are trying to solve both at the same time but it's interesting to know yeah i don't really have an idea how other than drugs that available in the clinic of for immune rejection if you have some other kind of stuff that can help by manipulating the cells I don't have an idea about that, but it might be interesting to know. Yeah, so the, the question is to scale the production and have a cell not individualized, you know, then you can scale the production, make it more affordable for a larger population because growing your own organs takes a while, but not just takes a while it's really expensive but if you can scale the production that you can have, have uh, you know a sh shelves and shelves full of kidneys and and so on it it would just make it so much cheaper do you think by co maybe by training the thymus like take some biopsy from the thymus from the uh, recipients and train the thymus to be okay with um, with the with that organ, or do you think the thymus it doesn't matter anymore when you're an adult, uh, you know, to retrain the thymus because your immune system is already trained basically, and then but that's more an immune response. I, I don't know if you if you want to answer or not. <laughs> I really don't have, uh, yeah, it might be very hard, but I don't know. It's not the field that we are focusing on, but yeah, it might be something to be addressed by, but uh, maybe by some other people that know more about immunological response and how to manipulate this kind of responses. But I guess it would be very complicated in, in this kind of stuff because like there is i i'm not aware of any kind of report that show that you can manipulate the adult immune response to change it that i am not aware of any kind of studies like this yeah there was a reason yeah there was a reason but it's in kids but it's in kids for leukemia for uh, immune therapy and and bone marrow transfer and one researcher she 
she basically also took um, from the donor. Um, no, she. I have to remember. I have to look at the paper. But she basically trained the thymus along with the um, with the bone marrow transplant, and then the kids would have less immune response, you know, to a transplant. But it's just a few kids. I think they did. It was like very preliminary, but uh, would be yeah, would be interesting to maybe grow some some thymus along with with whatever organ you're growing and but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah it could be that, so that it was nice yeah i wanted to check uh if anyone had the last question if not we'll let shadi go because it's already been an hour so uh, if you have a last question or comment please go ahead now Okay, so thank you so much uh, for sharing this really interesting work with us. And I really wish you all the luck and funding and helping hands because I think it's really important and it will help a lot of people in the future and it will also help the research. Um, so um, to, you know, as you mentioned, to develop, to, you know, that we don't need to grow transgenic mice all the time and um, so yeah I wish you all the luck and congratulations for this research and please come back um, if you have research updates I'm really curious to know uh, what you will you know <laughs> what you will say that you will collect in the future so if you feel like coming back feel invited thank you sure sure Thank you very much and for sure we'll be in touch and any update you will know about it and I will be glad to talk to you again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Thanks everyone Bye. for coming. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And enjoy the rest of your day, morning, evening, wherever you are. Um, 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 we have, if you like discussions like these, we will have tomorrow room with Dr. Damici um, talking about using um, pulses of light uh, for microbial inactivation for basically fighting germs um, that are antibiotic resistant. He will give a talk that uh, explains kind of the field in general a little bit and then also goes into the paper and on Thursday we have a room with Dr. Harrington talking about green materials inspired by nature especially by ocean um, animals and on Friday we'll have Dr. Onan uh, from MIT talking about his artificial neurons uh, that he created and they are 10,000 times faster than um, you know regular um, neurons so thank you thank you Shadi and uh, I hope I talk with all of you again bye bye